chapter 12. This chapter records the efforts by King Herod to harass the church in Jerusalem. This Herod was Agrippa I, son of Herod Antipas, who beheaded John the Baptist, and grandson of Herod the Great, who slew the infants at Bethlehem. Successively killing James, the brother of John, with the sword, Herod had Peter arrested and imprisoned, intending to bring Peter before the people after the Passover. Herod's plans were thwarted when an angel of the Lord freed Peter from prison. After meeting with brethren at the home of Mary, mother of John Mark, Peter sent word to James and the brethren of his miraculous release. When Peter was not found in the prison, Herod had the guards examined and executed. While at Caesarea, the people of Tyre and Sidon came to Herod to appeal for peace. When he gave them an oration, the people praised his speech as the voice of a god and not of a man. Failing to give glory to God, an angel of the Lord struck Herod and he died. The word of God, however, grew and multiplied. Barnabas and Saul, having completed their ministry to the saints in Judea, returned from Jerusalem to Antioch, accompanied by John Mark. At this point in Luke's narrative of the history of the early church, the focus turns from the ministry of Peter to the ministry of Paul. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. For the fifth time now the church in Jerusalem was plagued with persecution. First it was by the Sadducees, elders, rulers, and scribes. We see that in chapter 4. Then it was from the Sadducees alone, because of the preaching of the resurrection, chapter 5. Third, those of the synagogue of the Libertines brought Stephen the trial, chapter 6. Along with this, Saul headed the intense persecution of the church at Jerusalem, so that all but the apostles were scattered. We see that in chapter 8. This fifth persecution was instigated by Herod about the same time that Paul and Barnabas were visiting the churches in Judea. This Herod was Herod Agrippa I, grandson of Herod the Great, who was ruling at the time of the birth of Christ. He was a man who had cultivated the goodwill of the Jews by observing their customs and preferring their company. He is described in secular sources as a mild, liberal, yet ambitious ruler. Acts 12, 1-2 Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Matthew Henry made this observation about Herod. Herod's spite was at the church, and with regard to those he gave trouble to, it was not upon any other account that they because they belonged to the church. He began vexing them only, afflicting them, imprisoning them, fighting them, spoiling their houses and goods, and in other ways molesting them, but afterwards he proceeded to greater instances of cruelty. With his brother John, James the son of Zebedee had once asked Jesus, for a prominent place in his kingdom. Jesus asked them if they could bear the cost of what they were asking for. Mark 10.39 says, And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized, withal shall ye be baptized. James is the first apostle that was martyred. He had gotten that place of prominence he had asked for so long ago. J. Vernon McGee said this about James' death. The fact is stated so bluntly, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. James becomes another martyr in the church. He is the second martyr who is named. I am of the opinion that there have been many others who had already died for the name 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Now verses 3 to 4. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison, and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter was kept in what would have been the maximum security ward. He was probably kept in the fortress of Antonia on the northeast corner of the temple area. Peter was guarded by 16 soldiers, two chains, keepers, an iron gate, and two wards. Herod did not take any chances of letting his prisoner escape. There is no way any one of his friends, fellow believers, or sympathizers in the city would be able to break him out. Herod made sure that no man could help set Peter free. Herod's plan was to execute Peter after Easter or after the Passover. Now in verse 3 where it says the days of unleavened bread, Matthew Henry made this comment. He said it was at the feast of the Passover when they were celebrating the memorial of their deliverance should have led them to the acceptance of their spiritual deliverance. Instead of this, they under the pretense of zeal for the law were most violently fighting against it. And then the days of unleavened bread were most soured and embittered with the old leaven of malice and wickedness. At the Passover, when the Jews came from all parts to Jerusalem to keep the feast, they stirred one another up against the Christians and Christianity, and were then more violent than at other times. Now verse 5 says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Prayer was made without ceasing. A little three-letter word, the word but in verse 5, is all it took to spell Herod's doom. As the iron gates of the prison that Peter was at clanged shut, the gates of heaven swung wide open as the prayers of fellow believers flooded the throne of God on Peter's behalf. The church sank to its knees and offered prayer without ceasing for Peter. The word translated without ceasing is the Greek word ektenias, meaning this was intense prayer that never ceased for Peter. Intense, importuning prayer bombarded the throne of God. This kind of prayer bombarded the gates of heaven during the week that Peter was imprisoned. It was a kind of prayer that makes iron gates yield and brings an angel down from heaven to assist as needed. The church was praying, and in answer to their prayers, God delivered him the night before his planned execution. But Peter was sleeping that night. Undoubtedly, he remembered the promise of the Lord that he would live to be an elderly man, John 21, verse 18. John 21, 18 says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee without thou wouldest not. So he was remembering this promise that he would live to be an elderly man. The deliverance of Peter was accomplished by an angel of the Lord, and in the face of the strictest precautions Herod could take. Two chains and four soldiers, two by Peter's side and two at the door, were supposed to keep him safe for the executioner. Herod remembered what had happened before when Peter was jailed in Acts chapter 5. 
and he didn't want a repeat performance. But the power of God is greater than any of Herod, and the chains fell off, the doors of the prison were opened, and Peter thought he was seeing a vision. This is most natural, particularly in the view of his recent experience with the vision of the great sheet. Now verse 11, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Matthew Henry said this, Now I know that it is truth and not an illusion. Souls who are delivered out of a spiritual bondage are not at first aware what God has wrought in them. Many have the truth of grace that lack the evidence of it. They are questioning whether there be indeed this change wrought in them or whether they have not been all this while in a dream. But when the Comforter comes, whom the Father will send, sooner or later he will let them know of a surety what a blessed change is wrought in them and what a happy state they are brought in two. So now Peter comes to himself and he realizes what has happened. Then a very real problem faced him. Where should a marked man go? He decided to go first where the church was gathered, praying to let them know of his deliverance. So he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark. The damsel who answered the door left him standing there while she ran to tell the others, who could not believe that their prayers were being answered, and thought it was Peter's angel or spirit or his ghost. Peter had to continue knocking, and when he finally convinced them that it was he, he related how the Lord had delivered him. Then he thought of his personal safety and departed into hiding in an unnamed place. Of course, when the news got out that Peter was gone, someone had to pay, and it was the soldiers who had been assigned to guard him who paid with their lives. Thus, the fifth persecution ended in a death for one, James, and deliverance for another, Peter. Acts chapter 12, verse 21. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne, and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God, and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms, and gave up the ghost. We should always give God the glory. This is a great lesson for us that we could apply. We should always give God the glory. Whenever we do something for him, people give us praise. Always deflect that praise to the Lord. Maybe we teach a lesson. Maybe we preach a message. Always give God the glory. Always say, praise the Lord. Glory to God. We can say thank you, but always try to deflect that immediately to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Always give God the glory. Matthew Henry said this about the death of Herod. How his iniquity was punished. Immediately the angel of the Lord smote him by order of Christ, for to him all judgment is committed, because he gave not God the glory. For God is jealous for his own honor, and will be glorified upon those whom he is not glorified by. And he was eaten by worms. Now he was reckoned with for vexing the church of Christ, killing James, imprisoning Peter, and all the other mischiefs he had done. So the angel of the Lord smote him because he did not repudiate the acclamation, did not repudiate those shouting at him, this is the voice of God and not of man. Josephus says that Herod was immediately seized with violent internal pains and that he lingered in agony for five days before he finally died. Now verses 24 to 25. But the word of God grew and multiplied 
and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. In contrast to the persecutor's miserable demise, the word of God flourished. Persecution only promoted the word. In the meantime, Paul and Barnabas had fulfilled their mission of bringing the famine relief money to the churches in Judea. So they returned to Antioch, taking with them John Mark. The word of God grew and multiplied. The progress of the gospel after this, multitudes embraced the gospel and were added to the church. The courage and comfort of the martyrs and God owning them did more to invite people to Christianity than their sufferings did, to deter them from it. After the death of Herod, the word of God gained ground. Barnabas and Saul returned. They returned to Antioch as soon as they had dispatched the business they were sent upon. And then John, whose surname was Mark, at whose mother's house they had the meeting for prayer, which we read in verse 12, joins them and returns with them. And so we conclude chapter 12 of Acts.